0: My husband would want me to make sure that I mentioned that, to his terror, um, I burst into tears more than once while I was reading (laughs) this book.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 47. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Erin is an attorney who loves to read and loves to travel. Erin went through a major life change a few years back, and during the transition, she rediscovered the value of bibliotherapy. In this episode, we dive into reading as Healthy Escape, reading as Therapy, reading as Armchair Travel. It's a lot of fun. Let's get to it. Erin, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Anne. It's great to be
1: with you. Oh, well, I am so happy to talk to you today. First of all, you've got to tell me where that accent is from.
0: Oh, I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, My accent, I mean, I I was born in Ohio, so this accent was developed, (laughs) but I've lived in Greenville for um, a long time now, 30-something years on and off. Since you were a kid? Pretty much. We moved here in the sixth grade, so I consider myself native. So it's not an accent
1: you acquired at age 30?
0: No, no, okay. <laughs> it's not a Madonna accent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was in Greenville last year, and I'm still driving my family bananas because I keep talking about this meal I had at this restaurant downtown called the Trapdoor. Is that a
0: place? Oh, yes, it's a great, a great restaurant, it's sort of Belgian, and they have a really different menu. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: It was basically like eating in a basement with yes. floors <laughs> and bare wood tables.
0: Yes. You have to go down and down and down to get there. It was so it, good. So uh, I hope to be back one day. Oh, so good. And we have lots of great restaurants uh, coming. Greenville's Greenville has a new foodie scene. How's the bookstore scene? Is there but, such a thing? Yes, there is. You know, um, we lost the independent bookstore of my youth a few years ago, it was called The Open Book, and it was the type of place where, as a kid, I could just go and sit in the aisles while my mother shopped at another store, um, and they they closed down. But about a year or two ago, a new independent bookstore has opened on Main Street, M. Judson Booksellers, and they are just doing great business, doing really cool things, bringing authors in for speaking and book launches and book clubs. And I'm so excited about M. Judson. And of course we have the chains and we have some, some good independent bookstores that do um, sort of a trade in new and new and used books too. So mm-hmm. I think we're okay. Okay. That sounds like enough to keep a reader happy. Yes. Yes.
1: Excellent. Now, when you got in touch with me, Erin, I really loved what you said about the role reading is playing in your life right now. You um, said, because of life circumstances, you had rediscovered the escape value of reading, <laughs> the therapeutic quality of a good book, and the value of armchair travel.
0: Yes, um, that is so true. Uh, I have had a lot of life changes in the past four years. I um, I got married four years ago for the first time at an older age and acquired a husband and teenage stepchildren and Uh, Went from living a very quiet life on my own to a very not quiet life with (laughs) lots of other people, Uh um, which has been wonderful. At the same time, uh, some tragedy in my job. My boss had uh, suddenly passed away. And I was temporarily promoted into his position. I was an attorney for a university, uh-huh. so that was really a sad time. But um, but more changes, and you know we moved houses during that time, and I could list the changes. And and I had always been a reader, and reading mm-hmm. had always been my go to for um, quiet time for comfort. But definitely, uh, I found myself needing it like with a capital N. Uh, during that time of change to just center me and re-energize me. Yeah,
1: because it it sounds like you've had good changes and like you said, a of tragedy too. And both are really stressful, whether it's good or it's bad. Did you, were you surprised to see that was your stress response to start craving the books more? Or has that been a pattern throughout your life?
0: I think that's been a pattern throughout my life. I don't (laughs) always... Right. I'm not always smart enough to recognize. Hey, wait a minute. This is what I need. Mm-hmm. But when I do uh, realize it, then I'm. I'm. It's like sinking into a, into a blanket and feeling like ah, oh, <laughs> at <laughs> last, <laughs> yeah, my old friends are back together. So have the actual kind of books you enjoy
1: and prefer to read have those shifted in the past few years? I'm wondering if your favorites are going to reflect your current circumstances, or if you might have said the same titles 10 years ago.
0: I think I would say the same titles ten years ago i I like a little bit of everything, but I especially respond to books where I feel like um the characters become friends that I don't want to leave mm-hmm. um so I think that's probably a theme, and that may be more what I run to during stressful times than than just an you know an average non stressful time,
1: mm-hmm. okay, well, I can't wait to hear what you pick, okay. Erin, you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and we'll talk about what you should read next.
0: Well, I can't wait to do this. Although Anne, I do feel like it requires the obligatory this was so hard to pick, just three <laughs> <laughs> And I also don't think I'm covering new ground here, but I, I love these books and they're the books that I share with friends. So um I have to be I have to be true to these. So my first book is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn mm-hmm. by Betty Smith. Mm-hmm. This book was added to my stack after my mother had mentioned it was one of her favorite books. And it sort of sat there for a couple years um, until I finally picked it up. And when I did, I just fell in love with Francie Nolan and with Brooklyn. Um, It's the story of Francie from about 11 to 17, and she's growing up in Brooklyn in true poverty. I think it's the early 1900s. um, And... A lot like me, she turns to books um, and her love of books as an escape. And I just found myself really pulling for her and um, loving visiting her Brooklyn and um, not wanting to put that book down. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn's hot right now in fiction. Have you
1: read any of the spate of recent no,
0: no, in fact, when I, I just read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn last fall, and literally when it like the week that I finished it, the movie version of Brooklyn and the author's name is escaping me. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. that book came out. Uh, the movie was just released. Mm-hmm. So I dragged my husband to the movie theater so that we could soak in a little more. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. How was it? It was really good. I have not read the book, uh-huh. and I have a thing: if I see the movie without reading the book, I'm disinclined to read the book because I always prefer to read the book first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I'll if I'll put that book on my list, but um, but yeah, no, I, I have a, um. There's a theme in my reading as well that when I read a book, especially this one that was really autobiographical, I understand for Betty Smith. I find myself spending time researching the author and the place. And because we have the Internet now, I could look for the streets online that Francie was talking about and see what it looked like now. I get a little rabbit hole-ish there, mm-hmm. but, um, but it makes it rich. And I, I'm thankful that we have that technology to add to our experience.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it literally brings the book to life.
0: It does. So, it does. And you can
1: picture it on the grid, like picture yourself standing on the street. Yes, The actual street. Have yeah. you read the sequel joy in the morning? No. And I want to, okay. I want I'm to. I'm in the same boat. I want to, too. I love to tree grows in Brooklyn, but it's just never been my top priority right. whenever I was picking up a new book. Okay. Yes. We'll, we'll both get there
0: one day. I'm confident. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> What's book two, Erin? Okay. Book two is my life in France by Julia Child and Alex Prud'homme. Mm-hmm. I believe Alex is actually her nephew. And I I don't even know why I picked this book up to read. Originally, it was pre-Julia and Julia movie and book. Um but it was it was truly delightful. It was such a surprise. Um my memories of Julia Child from my childhood are almost caricatures, I'm afraid. Right. But, but getting to know her through this memoir was so fun. And I would even say inspirational. She goes to France at, um, I think she's like 35 or 36 years old with her diplomat husband, Paul, who I think is a treat in his own right. But she finds herself bored with nothing to do. And a few cooking classes at Le Cordon Bleu later, and she is transformed and goes on to transform American cooking. And it it's just lovely, entertaining, and I want to be Julia Child when I grow up.
1: I am with you here. So I read that. I was not a trendsetter like you. I read it after uh-huh. the Julie, Julia projects or whatever it was called. And she surprised me so much. Like yes. I, I thought I knew who she was and I thought, you know, boring, famous yes. lady, but, oh, I'm like, she was a riot. I did not her- see her as being the kind of person who would get in the bathtub with her husband, <laughs> cover themselves up with bubbles in like the fifties and send a like half naked Christmas card to their friend yes. no, Valentine's card, Christmas card. Anyhow,
0: you know, yes. Yes. Happy it, it,
1: holidays from the child.
0: Like <laughs> I just had no idea
1: she was that kind. Right. Of, of and, Yeah. Well, and
0: their love story is so truly romantic. I, I love their love story.
1: Mm-hmm. And, the right kind of not quite traditional to be yes. like extra special, yes. Yes. In a fictional kind of way. Like how can we
0: make these characters stand out? But it's <laughs> real life. It is. It's just, it's one of those books that I find giving to friends as a, as a gift because I don't find a lot of people who've read it and they always thank me. Well, cause they all think it's going to be boring. They do. They do. They do. Um, so my third pick is a little darker than these. It's, the Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, mm-hmm. and this book is, unlike my life in France, very heavy, very sad, but it's also really, really beautiful. Um, it's a young adult novel narrated by death, which I know some people can find a little gimmicky, but for me it worked and was very powerful. It tells the story of an orphan named Liesel living with her foster family. During World War II in Nazi Germany. And, you know, to try to tell the story, I, I think the best way I can sum it up is to say there are books, <laughs> there are Nazis, and there are good people doing brave, brave things during unimaginable times. Um, my husband would want me to make sure that I mentioned that to his terror, um, I burst into tears more than once while I was reading it, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't do <laughs> typically. And <laughs> it always took me and him by surprise if I was reading in bed at night. So, um, but it, it's it's the best kind of tears. They were worth it.
1: It's a it's a wonderful book. I yeah. Well, there's a reason that one keeps coming up over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I see what you mean. Like it could seem gimmicky yeah. if it wasn't done well. I mean, you have to nail that to be it could be really pretentious
0: to try to pull off writing narrator's death. If you failed. I was impressed. I was really impressed with how he did that.
1: Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22. This is game changing color. You can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense at Madison Reed master colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. What Should I Read Next listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code REED. Use the code REED, R-E-A-D, at madison-reed, R-E-E-D, dot com. Readers, if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and one great book style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy-to-search format. And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything-style conversations and events like our 90-minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. Go to patreon.com slash what should I read next. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what should I read next to become a member today. Patreon.com slash what should I read next. Okay, change of pace. What do you hate, Aaron?
0: Oh my goodness. I hate to hate this book because it is other people's favorites, but it is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Mm-hmm. And I I picked it up after reading two other Rainbow Rowell books um, and really enjoying them. Eleanor and Park and attachments, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing great, th- great things about Fangirl, and I just—it was a disaster for me. I, I did not finish it, and I can't remember the last time I didn't finish a book. I made it to about page 299 and realized, wait a minute, I'm an adult. Nobody's forcing me to read this. <laughs> I'm going to do something I never do and put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a slog for me, and. It may have had something to do with the fact that I I was a lawyer for a university for about 10 years mm-hmm. and probably knew more than my fair share of these characters, especially Kath. And just watching them make the same decisions over and over and over and wanting them to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It might have just been the bad, ti- bad timing, but mm-hmm. it did not do it for me. Okay. Yeah. So fiction is supposed to be an escape.
1: Well, you like you've come to appreciate that. And it was not at all an escape it, for you an escape. Okay. That okay. is so
0: true. I, I felt like I was beating my head against the wall every time I, I <laughs> that's, that's not a good sign. Yeah, no, it was not my, my favorite reading experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you haven't read Carry On? No, no. And I'm really not interested. <laughs> and see, on paper, I would think, oh, how cool. It's fan fiction uh-huh. of fan fiction. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I, I don't see that one uh, making it onto my list. I wasn't going
1: to try it because I didn't love Fangirl. I really liked Attachments in Eleanor and Park, but I didn't oh. love Fangirl. But I got talked into trying Carry On. Yeah, what'd you think? I didn't finish it. <laughs> so it wasn't. It wasn't bad.
0: Well, but, that's that's good to know.
1: My stack is really tall, yeah. and it just, you know, a book's got to earn it. And I didn't feel like it was like Elizabeth Gaskell, where I felt obligated to right see what the all the fuss was about. Right. For example. Okay.
0: What are you reading right now? Oh, so right now I'm reading Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld, Mm -hmm. which um, is part of the Austin Project where modern authors are retelling Jane Austen in a modern voice. And I should interrupt myself right now to say that I think that Jane Austen in her original voice is incredibly modern and does not need improvement. But I've enjoyed the retellings. You know, there's been lots of retellings over the years and I did read um Alexander McCall Smith's take on Emma and found it to be really fun. And so um I'd read Alexander McCall Smith books and and liked his voice and liked how he brought it to Emma, but I've not read Anything else by Curtis Sittenfeld, Mm -hmm. so I was a little more trepidatious, I think, about her take on Pride and Prejudice, and um, I am enjoying it. I it's I'm enjoying it more than I even thought I would. So Mm -hmm. I haven't I've had to sort of restrict myself from reading for the past week (laughs) to get get some other things done. I have to reward myself from time to time, Uh Um, but I'm I'm really itching to to be able to pick that one up and finish it. Well, if you are
1: liking it, that Eligible feels very Curtis Sittenfeld to me. I haven't read all her work, okay, but it definitely feels very her. Okay. That's good to know. Interesting. Okay. Erin, I am really intrigued by your escape therapy travel take on reading right now. Is that what you want more of in your reading life? Is there anything else that you'd like to maybe be a little different?
0: I love the escape. I love the armchair travel. I, I would say if there was something that needed to change about my reading life is I miss getting sucked into a really great story. I have noticed, and I, I don't think I'm alone, that my attention span um, or my ability to focus has been compromised as an adult. And I don't know <laughs> if it's because life is coming at me too fast or the influence of technology or you know, I'm exhausted when I finally get to sit down with a book, but, um, I used to be able to read and just regardless of what was happening around me now, that's not the case. And so I'd love, I'd love the power of a good story, whatever that looks like, whether that's escape or, um, takes me to a new place.
1: Okay. All right. That sounds interesting. This will be fun. I have ideas for you and we will get to them right after the break. Okay. Erin, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about your books. So it's true, you did pick books that are generally beloved by a whole lot of readers. So we have the Betty Smith American classic that so many seventh grade girls fall in love with as a kid, (laughs) or adults read in their 30s and think, what have I been missing? You know, why? Why haven't I read this till now? You have My Life in France, which is just a wonderful example of a great foodie memoir. And you have The Book Thief, which technically YA, like many people read it as an adult and just fall in love with it. Right. So we have really engaging stories and really interesting characters going through major life events, actually. Hmm. I mean, Julia Child is rather prosaic, like she's born in Paris and has nothing to do. (laughs) So she goes to learn to cook. But if you're camped out in Greenville being a lawyer or like I am, you know, just living a normal life in America, learning to cook at La Cordon Bleu sounds pretty exotic and life-changing. Yes. So that is what I'm keeping in mind as we move forward. And especially I'm thinking the escape quality the therapeutic quality. I'm glad you love the book thief, but that's not the kind of thing I'm looking for for you (laughs) and the armchair travel value. Okay. The first book I have in mind is my Berlin kitchen by Louisa Weiss. Have you read it?
0: I have not read it, but I have heard of it and I don't know. I don't remember what I've heard of it. So tell me more. Okay. How do you feel about France, Italy,
1: Germany, New York?
0: Uh, love them all.
1: (laughs) So this is a food memoir in the style that's been popular for... What, five, 10 years now, where Mm -hmm. there's a narrative story with some recipes that bring like an additional element to the story. But I'm not recommending it for the recipes. That's just kind of a fun bonus. So, Louisa has been blogging for a long time at a site called The Wednesday Chef, which a lot of devoted food bloggers read. There's so many now, like I hardly keep up with any. But if you wanted to find out more, take a peek at what your characters look like, that's where you go. So, she grew up. One of her parents is American and one of her parents is Italian, but she mostly grew up in Berlin. So what we have going on here is her journey is reflected through food, but also she talks about this feeling of having a split identity, um, feeling connected to her roots in all three countries, like being hmm. of many places, but not really being of one place at the same time. So she went to college in the States on the East coast, I think in Boston, but I'm, don't wanna, i don't want to, I don't want to, don't write it down a <laughs> pen, but, when she was feeling a little unsettled, she moved to Paris, like you do. But then she found out that Paris, on your own, maybe isn't so fun. But then she met a boy from Berlin. So he brought Berlin into her life. And through the rest of the story, she's bouncing back and forth across countries and families, just making making her way in the world and making a family for herself and seeing how that would or wouldn't developed so we've got a narrative story we've got lots of interesting places that are actually real that you can google and see what they look like in real life we've got lots and lots of food the food she describes as eating in berlin isn't at all what i expected it to be Um, Uh because i grew i have a german heritage in my family and we are into the like the kind of food you'd serve at oktoberfest So Berlin food was new to me, and that
0: was a lot of fun. How does that sound to you? That sounds wonderful. I, you know, I love um, foodie memoirs, period. And Mm -hmm. really, I picked my life in France after whittling down my list of favorite foodie memoirs, but I have not read My Berlin Kitchen, and everything you've described sounds like something I would love to read about.
1: I think there's something really comforting about a food memoir, like it's so elemental and yes. food is so universal and the stories often have very happy resolutions. I don't yes. know, I mean, as long as you're not reading like Anthony Bourdain, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't find that. That's not what I want to curl up with the right. bed at the end of a hard day.
0: Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. And it wasn't until this past year when I realized that I, I really had a thing for foodie memoirs. So this is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Do you really want a novel or do you want to go all nonfiction? Because I could give you nonfiction all day long. I I can do, well, if you're going to do all nonfiction, then let's throw one novel in there. How about that? Okay, we can do that.
1: Um, have you read The Crosswicks Diaries by Madeline Langle? No, okay. no. I think those are right up your alley. So have you read anything by her? Only A Wrinkle in Time. So The Crosswicks Diaries are a four book memoir-ish quartet. I don't know why I said ish. These are legit Mm -hmm. memoirs by Madeline Lengel that are very reflective about like ages and stages of life. Uh And in a circle of quiet, she's, they're kind of blurring together in my mind now, but a circle of quiet, she's reflecting on her life, her marriage, the writing life. And in this memoir, she has moved away from the city taking a visit to her country home. It might be summertime. There are kids around, but she's up Mm -hmm. in her like attic garage place writing. And she just reflects upon the ages and seasons of life. And she is at the same time, very wise and very accessible. I just think it's in this book that she coined the phrase, the tired thirties to Uh. refer to the busy, crazy goodness, but still craziness that is what the thirties often are in particularly a woman's life, but I think that it would apply to my husband equally as well. <laughs> We're both experiencing tired thirties right now. Sure. And I just felt when I read her reflections on her stage of life there, that she could be trusted as an author and a human being. Mm. So it's, there's no food, but it's got the same kind of narrative. It's like reflective, it's meditative, but it is not boring. Oh, good. How does that sound to you?
0: I love it. I, you know, i I have regretted not reading more Lingle over the years um, and have thought that I needed to go back and read A Wrinkle in Time because I read it in, I think, middle school. Um, And her name as an author continues to pop up on people's list of meaningful authors. So this is fabulous. Okay. And since I just said... I mean, I do
1: really esteem her and I, but since I just said that she was like very honest and could certainly be trusted and you felt like she was shooting it straight, uh-huh. any serious Madeline Lingle fans will find the memoir. No, it's not a memoir. It's like a compilation, um, listening for Madeline edited by Leonard Marcus, I think hmm. fascinating. Okay. Um, it, uh, kind of set the internet on fire a few years ago because, so it's like a 360 portrait by, there are a great number of people who were asked just to share their thoughts on Madeline for this compilation. So you hear Mm -hmm. from people she knew professionally and personally talking about her marriage and her life and her work and what she chose to share and what she didn't and why and what it meant. And if it truly was artistically honest. So some people thought this was kind of a travesty and shouldn't be published. And some people thought, wow, this is fascinating. But if you're a serious Madeline Lengel fan. That's a very interesting work to look into.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Okay. So for book three, have you read 84 sharing crossroad? No. Okay. We're going to go nonfiction, but this is my justification. <laughs> okay. I was never sure while I was reading it, if it was real or if it was not. Ah, okay. Okay. So this is by Helen Hanff, and this is a famous classic book lovers dream kind of book, but it's really Aww. skinny. Okay. So it's the story of a twenty year relationship between a New York writer and a dignified, gentlemanly London bookseller, as told through their correspondence. So many years ago, this is set, I mean, golly, I don't know the time frame here, but it's at least thirty years ago, maybe even forty or fifty. Okay. Um she needed a book for her research. So she rode off to the, the bookstore at 84 Charing Cross Road and asked them to send it. And at some point, some problem develops, which requires further correspondence, and they start communicating about their lives. And it's over the course of 20 years, their relationship develops and evolves, and you can see what's going on in their respective lives. And of course, they're both madly devoted to books and <gasps> bookstores and the written word. Like, this is a must read for book lovers. There's a sequel of sorts if you love it it's called the Duchess of Bloomsbury Street but much like joy in the morning it -hmm. is on my list of books that I intend (laughs) to read and can't wait to find out what they're really like but have not read yet so I can't personally vouch for that one is clustering in with your takes but if it was disappointing I would be we'll be shot together
0: Oh, I I love this one already. And this sounds right up my alley. I I have a little thing for England and London, especially. So this is like worlds colliding into happiness. Well, it's real. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I like the sound of that. And it's thin, which
1: can sometimes feel like not a good thing if you're really loving a book. But on the other hand, it makes it really easy to dive into and get going.
0: There is nothing wrong with easy, uh, when especially when it comes to, to reading. So, so wonderful. I'm I hear so you happy. on that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Erin, what do you think you'll read next?
0: Oh, Anne, these are, these are so awesome. And I, I might go with 84 Charing Cross Road first, um, but then I'm, I'm going to read all three of these. I, I know that I will. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to hear what you think. I know. I, I, I can't wait to tell you. Hey readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron today. Please head to the podcast site to let me know there what you thought of my recommendations and to share your recommendations for what Aaron should read next. That page is at what should I read next podcast.com slash 47. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Quick note. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. Reviews help iTunes promote us, which helps new readers find us, which is always appreciated. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that those reviews help so much. What Should I Read Next has a wonderful sense of community, and this is a way you can help us grow and reach more people with reading joy. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Anne Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Show us a picture of what you're reading on Instagram at What Should I Read Next, readers. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Rainer Maria Rilke said, Ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.